Well, you guys, the summer has gone so fast, and I hope you've been enjoying this summer series, The Best of the Living Room. I sure have. Um, And hopefully you've stuck around to the end of each episode and got all of the secret hashtags, because that's how you enter the giant summer giveaway, which I'll talk more about at the end of this episode. And by the way, if you're looking for a fall Bible study, please, please check out the online access for Having a Merry Heart in a Martha World. You can get all the information and a discount code at joannaweaverbooks.com forward slash 066. Here's today's interview. Tools for Living, Room to Grow, a space of grace to become everything God wants us to be. You're listening to The Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver, Episode 66. Well, hey there, dear friends. So, though we'd rather avoid it and rarely discuss it, whether we like it or not, we're all going to face suffering at some point in our life. It's part of living in this fallen world. But here's the deal. (laughs) When Jesus came, he not only died for our sins and rose again on the third day, but he redeemed suffering in such a powerful way that our lives are not necessarily destroyed by suffering. In fact, sometimes we become everything God intends us to be. In today's episode, I'm excited to share my friend Catherine Wolf's story. Oh my goodness, you guys, this is a powerful, powerful episode, and I hope you'll share it with a friend. Well, I'm so excited to have with me a very, very special guest, Catherine Wolf. Catherine, we have been trying to get together for literally months now. I know. And here we are. Here we are. I'm so excited I get to see your face because I just think you know, there's so much power in your story. And I, you know, we're recording this right now in May. We're in the middle of a pandemic and a brand new normal. And I think, I think your message is the message that we need to hear. For those who aren't familiar with you and with your book, Softer Strong and Hope Heals, can you give us a little bit of your story? Absolutely. And I think you are so right about that. Um, but basically, in a nutshell, when I was 26 years old and a new mother to a six-month-old baby um, with no warning before, no health problems in the past, no medical history, nothing, I had a massive brainstem stroke out of nowhere and very, very nearly died. Um, I was on life support for 40 days and in a coma-like state for two and a half months and spent two years in basic recovery, relearning to eat and speak and walk. And then even after that, many more years of um, some really bad suffering, 11 surgeries, um, some very severe falls, even breaking bones on multiple occasions. And um, yeah, it's been it's been a crazy 12 years since I had the stroke. I'm now 38, but I've gone on to, thanks to the sweetness of the Lord in my story, have another baby who's now four, John. And um, yeah, we have a 12-year-old now and a four-year-old. And my husband and I did write our initial book, Hope Heals which is a memoir of our story of what happened to us. And then we wrote a new book that released in February called Suffer Strong, 
where basically we share the lessons learned from our, our story of suffering and specifically how redefining everything changes how you live. The, the technical byline of the book is how to survive anything by redefining everything. And we believe so deeply that the way we have been able to cope in our very hard um, story is through the power of redefining our lives in the kingdom of God and recognizing that our upended life um, makes us fit more clearly into the upside down kingdom of God. And that, um, that changes everything. Oh, it really, really does. And I think, especially as Western Christians, as American Christians, we have this idea that the blessings of God and that uh, life as a Christian should always be glorious and easy. And yet I don't see it in scripture. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's, it's really powerful because of course the book suffer strong was not necessarily um, going to be a big, big hit in our Western <laughs> world because nobody wants to even, you know, look at suffering, much less read details about it and how to cope. And um, this book released in February. So suddenly in March, it was undeniable in the Western world, even there would be pretty dramatic suffering and much more of a need, even right here in America, to redefine everything and look harder at the lessons that come in suffering and, um, you know, just really examine what is life about and how do I cope and all the things that come with um, the presence of suffering in our stories. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I was thinking, you know, I'm not exactly sure when this episode is going to air, but I think it will be a, a few months from now when we will have a little bit better, a better idea where we're landing. And I have a feeling it's not going to look like it used to look. So how do we embrace that new normal? Right. Oh, I, I wish I had all of the answers to that, but I agree. I don't think we're ever going back exactly it's going to be something new and different for our world and this was probably a reset in some ways um for what normal looks like and there is an ability that we all have um that may have been one of the only things we really really did right in our story is to learn to pivot mm. don't hold on to what was but instead embrace what remains and live well with that, even if it looks nothing like what we thought it would. And really, you know, we, we Jay and I talk a lot about so many of the issues in life, in marriage, in every context, are the distance between what we thought our lives would be like and what they are like. And when we can recognize, no, God is doing something new because of where I've been. So I'm going to live into that and not always be reaching back, trying to get back to the old way. Something new has come. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. And you you said something that I really would love to have you unpack. Yeah. That we're going to need to pivot. How did that how did that play out in your journey when all of a sudden you woke up to a whole different life? How did you over those years of coming back to 
even just being able to be as wonderfully, you know, I just, I have to say, I, I follow you on social media and Catherine, I love the joy that you approach life with. Oh, thank you. Curious. Was that, is that part of your personality or was that something that you kind of had to learn or maybe relearn? Good question. It's always hard to know um, how much of wirings and the way God made us plays into how we respond to circumstances. However, and so I don't honestly totally know the answer. I have always, um, from the time I have my earliest memories, walked with Jesus and tucked a lot of scripture into my heart. And had a number, I mean, it was never perfect, oh my gosh, but I I longed um, to live a life worthy of the calling I'd been given long before I had a stroke. So I think once I had the stroke, I was uniquely prepared to live with joy in it because I was able to wrap my mind around the need to embrace this as part of what God was doing through my life. And so I've always lived with a recognition to some degree of Isaiah 26, 8, that yes, Lord, walking in the way of your truth, we wait eagerly for you, for your name and renown are the desires of our hearts. And I um I think post-stroke, I was obviously confused. Like, how can this be what God is going to use here for that name and fame stuff and his glory? And yet I think I did have a sense of like, oh, I can still wait real eagerly, real eagerly and live with joy. You know, G.K. Chesterton wrote that joy is the secret weapon of the Christian life, that Mm. it's our final defense that so much can be taken away but no one can take away joy you know it's um it's something that that cannot be withheld you know that which is similar to the truly good things of god they can never be withheld peace joy presence that this stuff will never be taken can never be taken and they are the truly good things that we need to get through the day so i um I don't perfectly know the answer to your question, but I I do know that when you live in deep obedience to what God is doing, you cannot help but live with joy because you know the end of the story. Yeah, yeah. Well, and don't you think that's part of our problem? We're so fixated on day today and our comfort today and having having joy today, having happiness, having fulfillment. And I I just wonder sometimes if part of our problem in embracing joy is that we really don't understand what godly joy is. I think, I think sometimes we think it's happiness, like, and which is always based on happenings. And so if everything's going well, right, which, yeah, it's, What is so tragic about this, like, sought-after happiness and getting to your happy place and honestly, like, living your truths and all these other kind of, like, weird, honestly, postmodern, honestly, post-Christian experiences is that they're also ridiculous because 
they're all based on feelings and feelings are constantly changing. Um, so like, for instance, I'm living my truth. Well, is that your truth today or is that your truth yesterday? Because it's probably different based on what's happening in your life. So when you live that way, you kind of end up nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> of course, you're miserable because everything's always changing and you're basing your life around your feelings. And I deeply believe that our emotions, our feelings have value, but we can neither like elevate them and make them the most important thing in the world or suppress them and pretend we're not in pain, for instance, or really not doing well. We should present them to the Lord. We need to lament always and really cry out to God to help us in our darkest moments. Absolutely. But we get to put it there at the foot of the cross. Yeah. We don't live in this place of deep anxiety in our stories. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm working on a book called, uh, well, the working title is Trusting God. The awesome. Fine, the fine art of letting go and holding on. You know, and just this idea that until we surrender what we thought had to be, we're not going to really be able to hold on in faith. We're not going to be able to receive the gift that I think sometimes comes in strange packages. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, what's, what's so interesting is early on after the stroke, I heard um, from someone who, who told me suffering is this gift that no one wants to unwrap when they get handed the gift of suffering. But once they do, they treasure it, they cherish it and don't want to let it go. And they would have never, ever picked it out. <laughs> but they, um, it, it so deeply impacts who they are as people that it, um, it changes everything. You notice that Romans 5 idea that suffering, suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope and hope can never put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is such a deep comfort that what we're learning, how it's affecting who we are as people when we suffer is, is yeah, I want to be about that for the rest of my life. That's so beautiful and important. Amen. Well, and I really believe that it is more of a testimony to walk with peace and joy through difficulties than to be miraculously healed, to be miraculously delivered. Because I think it's when I see people who walk it, even though it's so hard and they're not sugarcoating it and they're not denying it, but they are tapping into the grace and the power of God. I'm like, I want some of that. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. That, that is everything that when, um, yeah, when we can do that, it's a game changer, hundred percent. But I want to drill down Catherine because we know it here. We know it here. I know I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just like you. I'm a, from a little girl, loved Jesus with all my heart, wanted to glorify him with my life, but there have been some disappointments. There's oh, been some sure. things that didn't turn out. And how, how do we tap into the joy that comes from the Lord and the strength and the peace that comes from the Lord? Yeah. Goodness. I wish I had all the answers to that one, but for me, um, listening to the right voices has been very, very important. 
deciding who is on my sole board of directors. Ooh, that's good. Not, you know, not the lady at the grocery store who wants to know a bizarre question about why I'm in a wheelchair, <laughs> you know, or somebody at a church who says something hurtful about healing. They aren't my sole board of directors. Blow it off. Get thick skin, but keep a soft heart. That's definitely been an important part of keeping, keeping joy is knowing Ultimately, I am accountable to God, not to man. And um, I think that that is a big way to change the conversation and live with joy is not be captive to other people and really select whose voices you're going to let speak into your life. Um, I definitely think gratitude is huge to find any joy in any piece in our stories and suffering is recognizing um, what's good in it which there is always good in every story, even the really sad ones. You know, the summer after my stroke was a very, very hard time. I was not even eating food yet. And for some reason, once I was able to, I started verbally um, dictating blog entries to my husband who would post them because some friends had set up websites to keep up with me and pray. And I would always include at the end of an entry a point of gratitude mm -hmm. of something in my life that was really good right now. And something deep happens when you are publicly grateful for things and sharing that, that it, there's this sense of you're telling your, yourself and you're telling your head and your heart and your soul that this is good, but you're also somehow the telling to other people above any of our bits of our stories, any of it is um, just, just somehow deeply affecting how we feel about our stories. And that is so powerful. You know, when I, um, I think it's Psalm 42, five where David says, why are you downcast? Oh, my soul. Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I will again praise him, my rock and my salvation. And there's this um, method we see, I think, in that psalm that David's telling his soul, like, this is what we're doing. This is where we're going. We're going to hope in God. And that's how this is going to go down. So I think there is um, definitely a, a lesson for us in we're going to get bossy with our souls until our souls hear exactly what we're going to do. And we are going to live with joy, even when it's hard. Oh, I love that. I love that. You know, so much uh, of your message is centered around that word hope yes. and hoping in God. I'd love it if you'd unpack that because I think, again, I think we may have a little bit of misperception of what hope is. You know, sometimes I think like, well, I hope that this happens or I hope that I, you know, I hope that it's good weather tomorrow. So what is what does hope come to mean to you? So true hope is, I think, several super important truths of the Christian life. And most basically, I believe hope is a future promise lived out now mm. that we get the hope of heaven, the hope of one day and no more pain, no more suffering. All the sad things will come untrue. That is our great hope. And I think it's Phil Yancey who wrote, what, what was that quote? It's so beautiful that hope 
is believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. And I love that so much. Do you know that quote? I, uh, I love it. I, it's I mean, so I good. Not, not from the last 10, 20 years, <laughs> maybe 30, but yeah, hope is believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. And that's it. That's, um, we don't know why, but um, one day we will. And that is the great hope. Yeah. I wonder if that's sometimes our biggest problem is we want to understand. Oh, for we, sure. How, how did you navigate the, or did you navigate, have to navigate the whys? And why did this happen? And all of that. hundred percent. Oh, yes, absolutely. Early on, um, once I was sort of at a, at a place again where my brain was not quite as foggy and I could sort of start wrestling with what what even happened. I, did, I couldn't even understand that I'd had a stroke um, from an AVM was what it's called. It's like a really bad aneurysm that exploded in my brain. And I couldn't even understand that. Like how, like I'm, I'm healthy. I'm 26 years old. I'm a young breastfeeding mother. How could I have had this just insane tragedy? I mean, nearly die from a stroke. It just seemed so, so like a, a movie. This can't be. And then all the questions of God, why would you let this happen? God, where are you? God, are you real? Are you in this? I don't, I don't get any of this. And um, in the end of just a lot of really soul searching, and you've, you've read Hope Hill, so you, you know this story, but I finally came to a deep recognition in a very low moment where I failed yet another swallow test and still could not walk and could barely speak. Where I, um, I kind of thought maybe God had made a mistake, that I should not even be here still, that it would be easier if I had just died, honestly. This was just too horrific to be so caught between life and death. And in those darkest moments, uh, just almost suicidal thoughts and just a hopelessness that was unbelievable. I really felt a deep, deep sense that the truest things that I'd ever known were, were even truer in this moment, that the light does shine brightest in the darkness. And what's true in the light is true in the dark. And that God somehow was working all of this together for my good, even in this terrible story, in this moment, that the bigger story of my entire life was one that he was perfectly writing and that it was good. And I had, and to this day have, a deep sense that Psalm 139 is true, that I was fearfully and wonderfully made in my mother's womb. And that is actually where the brain rupture began is when I was in utero with my mother is I had that AVM. It was a birth defect and that ruptured when I was 26. And I think above all, I've always known, but in that moment I really needed to um, refresh and hang out at the truth of Ephesians 4.1. 
that I needed to live a life worthy of the calling I'd received. Wow. And receiving the suffering as part of your calling. Yeah, absolutely. It's part of it. Absolutely. And that is where I think so many of us get stuck because we cannot see how something so painful, something so hard could be part of God's calling on our life. But I I love what you say. I choose to believe that the God story and the hard story are the same story. Yeah, absolutely. They always are. You know, he was a suffering savior. (laughs) Jesus himself on earth, who was constrained to human flesh and lived a life here in a human body, knows pain himself. And he's God. (laughs) He, um, he, he understands that our time on earth will be hard. And that's part of a glory story he's writing. Well, and I think if we would really, really go to the word and study out even the theology of suffering, it's, it's all there. I mean, it says that Jesus was made perfect by his suffering. Right. There is something that suffering does. And yet, oh, how we resist it. I, I often think of the verse that we all quote, you know, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. Right. We don't usually add in the fellowship of his suffering. Right, exactly. Because who wants that? I want to know know him in the in the good times. Yeah. I want to know him on the beach vacation. <laughs> what has what have you discovered about God and maybe even experienced in yourself? during this fellowship of the sufferings? Um, Probably the deepest thing I've learned and felt about God that maybe I didn't understand before was the truly good things that God has done are inside of me. That they're nothing to do with the outside external world. It's the internal. It's that beautiful Second Corinthians four passage that the 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 world, the physical world, is wasting away, but inwardly we're being renewed day after day. So I felt so deeply that the truly good things of God that will never be withheld. Psalm eighty four eleven is true. He the good things of God can never be withheld because they're the stuff that he is doing in me, that he's given me, that he has equipped me with to cope in the hard story I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. I I think, I think much like the Jewish people of Jesus's day, we are very fixated. We want the outer kingdom of God. Right. We don't understand not only you mentioned it before, it's an upside down kingdom, but it's an inner kingdom. Can you talk about that upside down kingdom? Because I think we need we need a different perspective. Yes, so much of what um, our American Christianity has become, even in non prosperity gospel churches in America, there is still very much a presence of the blessed life, the good life, the, the, you know, the wholesome, happy family with 2.5, you know, the, the good living 
is sort of elevated, which that has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. <laughs> that is just so upside down that um, the last are first, that, that so much of suffering is a part of our time on earth and that the upside down kingdom is upending all of the Western way we've built up um, the good Christian life to look like. And it's so different. Yeah. Yeah. I so agree. And I think, it, I think once we let go of some of those expectations, then we're ha- able to have that different viewpoint. You said something about un- turning unmet expectations into brave anticipations. Yeah. What does that look like for you? I love that. Um, I I think a lot about the importance in all of our stories of suffering of dreaming new dreams and not keeping the expectations of life that I had when I was a little girl, like learning to, to walk a new way, to do something new. And so instead of crying about the unmet expectations in my story, why not dream new dreams and anticipate with bravery what those will look like? Because God's doing something new every day, all the time. Yeah, yeah. It's a different way of living and a different way of seeing. And I really, I don't know about you, but at least for me, it's not going to be something I'm going to be able to work up myself. Right. I need the work of God. And so I just wonder, so Catherine, do you always wake up every single morning with brave anticipation (laughs) or do you have to how do you tap in to that that different kingdom that deeper source of strength good question i def i definitely um it's complicated i i don't want to say no because that's not totally true because i live with such a a hope of whatever god has yes so i I think there is an element of yes, for sure, but there's definitely plenty of no, too. You know, I don't think any of us this side of heaven can be like, oh, yeah, I'm up for anything every morning and ready for it. I think it's always um, spiritually complex to constantly be in the state of Lord, whatever you have. It's just so unnatural. We want to protect ourselves from pain. Yeah. And I, I think that's the thing for me. It's like some mornings I wake up and I spiritually, I can see a hundred miles. Everything's crystal clear. And then another morning I wake up and I'm all fogged in and I feel discouraged and helpless. And so just this idea of like you were saying, reminding yourself of the good things of the Lord. Um, any other tips? You know, I, I have a couple of friends who are going through chronic illness and there's constant pain. Do you have any advice? Uh, Just they're in the middle of it. And to be honest, they're under it and it's so heavy and they can't seem to find their way to to that new perspective and that new way of seeing. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, it is so hard. You know, I always say that less words are the best words that truly everybody just needs to be quiet and give the ministry of tears before the ministry of truth, stop talking so much and trying to put um, Jesus stickers on bullet wounds, let people feel pain and just hug them and hold them and cry with them. And, you know, some of the most meaningful um, 
moments in my journey has been when someone looks at me with tears and says, I cannot believe this happened to you. And it has so ministered to me. They didn't quote a scripture. They didn't tell me it was all going to be okay. They simply said, I am in shock too. And I can't tell you what that's meant to me. So I don't think that's totally what you asked, but I just had no, to throw I that, love that in that how to speak to others when they are in deep pain is to hold them and hug them and cry with them and let them yeah. mourn their losses before picking up the pieces. But to your sweet friends and to so many, um, goodness, there is such comfort in our deep, terrible pain that God is somehow at work we cannot fully see it so one day when we will understand before today i think what is so important even in deep pain to recognize is that you are able through him to do this and people want to think they are not up for the suffering they can't handle it and in their own flesh yes they can't but with Christ in them, they can, they are equipped. What is the verse, Second Peter 1, 3? His divine power has given us everything we need. That's it, everything. So we've got all the bravery inside of us to endure well, whatever may come. We have all the just confidence and assurance of who he is, his presence, heaven. We have everything in our lives we need um, right now to live a hard story well. We have perseverance, much more than we ever thought possible. God has given us deep endurance and perseverance for what is to come. Amen. Amen. I was just thinking of that, you know, God has built within humanity an ability to adapt. Absolutely. You know, and, and that's just our gift from God as humans. And But then how to take that and tap into the power of God and the grace of God as well. I, I just really think I, I want to say to you guys, first of all, part of your journey, I think you need to pick up Jay and Catherine's book, both Hope Heals and Suffer Strong, because you're going to find so much encouragement. And I loved, I just, I love that in Suffer Strong, you and your husband share you each write a chapter. Right. Yes. I think there's a lot of people out there that, that they, you know, they're maybe the ones suffering, but maybe they're that one that's having to watch someone suffer. And I love that you have both perspectives. How, how have you guys learned to walk together as a couple through this journey? What are some of the key things that have helped you? Yeah, it's, it's not easy. Marriage is definitely difficult anyway add in some of the factors of our specific story and it's very difficult honestly and we we really love each other and we are dear dear friends and that helps a ton and I highly recommend that to couples is get on each other's team be each other's friend which is so basic but so yeah powerful weird in our world that people are not friends with their spouse we are we make that a priority is to to know each other as friends as well as so much more than that not just as co-parents not just as running a ministry together but as people as friends and part of that we feel like is really um cheerleading each other 
not trying to be the change agent, never. But instead, knowing that when we have married that person, we have married their problems, for sure, all their problems. But we've also married their potential, their possibilities. We've married where they can go. And we get to be about championing that. And of course, of course, that includes deep suffering. <laughs> There's a lot of our lives that are going to include suffering, both spouses. You know, Jay talks about, I'm the one who had this stroke, but honestly, he has stuff that I didn't know about that was in his brain on his wedding day, just like right. I did. Both have all kinds of issues happening. Everybody does. And our job is to figure out how to love each other well within all of the hard stuff in our heads and our hearts. Yeah. And I, and I think this time um, during this pandemic has put us in a position where we've got to figure out how to be married well. Oh my goodness. And it is no, no joke. 24 hours a day with your kids, with your husband. I mean, it's a quarantine is really done a number on. Yeah. All, all of uh, the households in, um, yeah, our world. And you know, they say right now, one of the top Googled, um, questions is how to divorce during quarantine. Oh. That is just so devastating oh. that couples are really wanting to get out instead of the opposite, wanting to go deeper and deeper in, that it is hard. But we don't have to be scared of hard. That's right. That's right. Well, I really love the subtitle, How to Survive Anything by Redefining Everything. When we're thinking about this, you know, uh, wherever we are, in, in this situation when this episode airs and there's going to be some changes, there's going to be some difficulties. How, how do we redefine something that happened to us? You know, it's kind of like, I think, I think it's a different journey when we've done it to ourselves, right? <laughs> but right. when something has come into our lives, kind of like it has for you, how do we redefine this time to turn it into something that is a gift and not a curse? Everything is about how we think about it. I mean, all, every, everything. Because what matters isn't really what happened. I mean, mm. it's how we respond to it. It's how we decide to marinate on it. It's that space between our ears. And do we see what God is doing during this time? And I think that's always going to be how we start to redefine anything. Yeah. By, I'm going to choose to call out these parts of what happened and make that the central story that I remember well. And that may always include suffering. You know, I think it does. I think that's part of um, how we redefine is a starting point is to say, like, this is hard. And yet there is good in this heart. And I'm going to call out the good in this yeah. and, and hang out there and recognize God is at work here. Yeah. Well, I feel like we're being given an opportunity to trust God more than we ever have. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Absolutely. I think it was Craig Rochelle who wrote a book called The Christian Atheist, uh -huh. believing God, but acting as though he doesn't exist. Something like that. Right. And, Seriously. And I, I think sometimes it's like, oh, no. Oh, dear. This has happened to me. And we forget to bring God into the equation and forget that he's for us and he's working on our behalf. Right. 
it's bizarre. And it's bizarre because we can have such a profound victim mentality when we go through hard things instead of recognizing like, wait, uh, excuse me, I um, knew before this happened that I was more than a conqueror through him who loved us. But now in this moment, I'm just a victim. And it's tragic. Yeah, yeah. I, oh my, I just did a Facebook Live on rejecting self-pity because that's like my slippery slope. Yeah. And it's so sneaky, you know, and it feels so justified. And Oh, for sure. And I think, you know, like you talked about, we've got to have, you know, we have to have time for legitimate sadness and even grieving that, that this is a life I had and I no longer have it. Absolutely. Yeah. So one of the things I, I would just love to have you just maybe close out with is just if you could talk to that girl out there that life has, she's not gone through a lot of suffering. She, you know, it's just that life hasn't turned out the way she thought it would. Right. How do we manage the disappointment of what is? So that it doesn't swallow of what isn't disappointment with what isn't, so that it doesn't swallow the joy of what is what we do have. Well, yeah, that that is the key for us all in this world is yeah. to recognize, like, okay, so this did not happen, but this did. Yeah, and that's the key. It's always going to be to dream the new dream. And stop worrying and marinating so darkly on the way I thought it was going to be when I was four years old. Instead, recognizing, yeah, this was not ideal, but this is my deal. This is what I've got in my life. And I know for certain that God is the one running the show and he knows what is ultimately best for me. So nothing that has happened to me or nothing that hasn't come into my story was outside of his careful attention. Yes, and it's very complicated. I do not pretend to fully understand his sovereignty. But I know with certainty that nothing gets past God before it comes to us on earth. And that's the case when we live knowing God ultimately is taking care of us, even with pain and suffering as part of that story. There is such a trust and safety. So, of course, we can move forward in life. Yeah. Well, I know that that has changed so much for me, is really trusting that God is good. And that he is able to redeem everything that touches my life. And that he does work together, all things, for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I just want to thank you, Catherine. I want to thank you for um, for, for living this life out loud. Oh, thank you so much, Joanna. Thank you for saying that. It is a, it's a deep blessing. It really is. I love it. And it's beautiful. And you guys, you've got to check out all of Jane Catherine's uh, social media and just their journey. And uh, I love how you're willing to show up as you are. And you are so beautiful. But and I, this kind of takes us to somewhere probably that maybe it's a whole nother episode. But but 
seen Willie. You were a model and you're still so gorgeous, but you had one life. And then accepting the new life and redefining beauty. Right. I think a lot of us are in that journey, whether it's just old age and gravity, like I'm going through. <laughs> oh, me, oh, me too. Golly, me too. It's started. How did, how did the Lord help you redefine that? Yeah, I, I think there has been um, such a journey there. So I don't pretend to have all the answers at all. Um, and for those listening, I don't know, will they be seeing my face or no? Probably not. Well, in the in the podcast, not, but I'm hoping to use this video elsewhere. Okay, so if you're listening on the podcast, half my face is paralyzed on one side. So um, I, everything is different. I cannot smile the same way. My face doesn't move on one side. It's very, very um, striking to engage discussion on beauty when my face is paralyzed. And I think I've kind of done a deep dive into true beauty. And here is my basic thought, that true beauty is actually all about walking away from shame, mm. which seems so crazy, but so, so true that from the time we are little girls, we are told so much about beauty from voices that don't matter and not the voice of God. Yeah. And true, our truest beauty is about throwing off all of that and discovering God's voice in our beauty. And that is what is truly beautiful. I love that. Well, and I would say, I would also say that true beauty emanates from the inside. Oh, and, 100%. And you wear Jesus so well, my friend. Oh, and thank you, Joanna. You're so sweet. He shines just brightly. And I... I am just so thankful for the message that you allowed God to write on your life as a little girl, the word of God that so obviously dwells in you richly, and now allowing an overflow that um, that I really believe is going to change people as they listen to this podcast. Uh, I just sense his anointing on this time. And as we close, would you just pray for all of those out there that are are navigating the new normal that really need the Lord's help to redefine everything so that we can survive. Absolutely. Father, I pray so much that everyone listening to this podcast right now will be filled with the supernatural comfort yes, of the Holy yes. Spirit, Lord, that you give every listener a profound sense that their suffering is not wasted, that you are using it, Lord, that you are at work and with them in it, Father, that even through a lot of pain and suffering, Lord, that you are lifting them up allowing them a platform that they would not have without the pain, Lord, that you are not only at work in it, but carrying them in it, Lord, that you are so, so near to so many broken, broken-hearted people, broken bodies and broken brains, Lord. And we know that every truly good thing comes from you. And we look to you. We look to you with eyes of wonder fixed on you and your promises, Jesus. We praise you for what you are doing in all of our lives, Lord. We love you so much. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 
Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Catherine. It was just a privilege and honor to have you with us. Oh, you are so sweet, Joanna. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. So (laughs) I don't know about you, but I think I'm going to have to listen to this episode many times over because it's so easy to lose heart in the middle of suffering. It's so easy to just despair and think my life is over. Everything's ruined. When in the middle of all that the enemy has intended for evil, God wants to work something so beautiful, so powerful, and so good that it causes the world to stand up and take notice that there's something about different about you and different about me. I know that as you listen to this story, you may have thought, oh, my, my pain seems so minimal, but you know what? I've discovered that pain is relative. And if it's my pain, it's relatively painful and it's just as overwhelming and scary and, and discouraging. All those emotions that Catherine felt as she walked through her own pain. But just as Catherine discovered, we can trust that our hard story and God's story are the same story and that he's going to bring beauty out of ashes and joy out of pain. Well, you can find links to Catherine and Jay's books as well as their website over at my website, joannaweaverbooks.com forward slash zero four two. And be sure to find them on social media because, oh my goodness, their posts are so encouraging. God has joy for you, my friend. You don't have to wait for your trial to be over. He wants to give you his joy and his peace right now, right where you are in the midst of your pain and questions. Hey, you know what? If there's someone that you know that's hurting today, I hope you'll share this link by clicking on the little dots on your podcast player. Options will pop up to share on social media or to send a link to the episode through email or text. And hey, if you haven't yet subscribed, I hope you will because we've got some wonderful interviews coming. They'll just show up in your podcast player and it's a wonderful way just just to experience encouragement from the Lord every other Wednesday. Well, until next time, please know I'm praying for you. I don't want to dismiss your your suffering or minimize your pain. And God doesn't either. He's not standing at a distance waiting for you to get your act together. Instead, He wants us to invite Him into our pain so that He can give us the strength we need to suffer strong, just like Jesus did. Thwarting the plans of the enemy and bringing glory to God, reversing the curse right here as we learn how to live and love and lead like Jesus, even when everything seems to be going terribly wrong. Oh, God has so much good for you, my friends. I hope you'll turn to him today in a fresh and deeper way. See you next time. Well, here it is, our very last secret hashtag. If you share this episode on social media along with hashtag TLRstrong, you'll be entered in the drawing for a giant package of books from all of our summer guests, as well as a $75 Amazon gift card. Hey, and you can listen to past episodes and do the same thing. Each entry gives you a chance to win. Well, we're going to be back in September with all new episodes and wonderful guests. So I can't wait to see you then. God bless you, my friend. Have a wonderful day.